Hey everyone, this is Jackknife. Welcome to another bonus episode of The Cutting Edge 2023-24 Weekly New York Rangers Recap. We are in week five. We are 14 games into the New York Rangers season. As it stands right now, at the time of this recording, which is Tuesday night, November 14th. This is coming out tomorrow morning, November 15th. 14 games in, the New York Rangers are 11-2-1 with 23 points, five points ahead of, of the second place, Carolina Hurricanes, who they also have a game in hand on. This is in spite of the New York Rangers being down not only their top goalie, world-class goalie in Igor Shosturkin, but at one point being without Jonathan Quick and having to start Louis Domingue one game. This is without having one of the best defensemen in the league and Adam Fox. This is despite having some players <coughs> not finding their game yet. And despite all this adversity, the New York Rangers are just rolling along right now. And we'll get into the two games that they played since I since the last time I talked about them. They're in the middle of a five day hiatus no games till saturday when they have a first round matchup against the new jersey devils which i'm looking forward to i'm sure many people in this area or listening to this podcast are looking forward to it but before we get into that let's dissect each game and the players first game against the minnesota wild this was an opportunity for revenge for the rangers because the wild Overcame a three-goal deficit to beat the Rangers in a shootout the first time these teams met a week or so ago in Minnesota. Just think, the Rangers lost Adam Fox, Igor Shosturkin, and Philip Heedle. And in this stretch, they've only squandered one point. I, I should have alluded to that before, but back to this game. The first and second period were night and day. The Rangers outshot the... Wild 14-2, getting the lone goal in the period from Vincent Trotrek on the feed from Lafreniere and Gustafson. Gustafson, what a steal that contract is, like not even making a million. And he's got nine points so far for the Rangers. But in the second period, it was 15-3 to in shots for the Minnesota Wild. Duhame of the would get the goal on a tip-in. And then the third period was more even in shots. But the Rangers struck early in the third period on a two-on-one with Panarin and Lafreniere, and Lafreniere put home the Artemi Panarin, Panarin pass to make it two-on Rangers. That would be the game-winning goal, but it never hurts to add some insurance. Also scoring for the Rangers was Blake Wheeler, him getting his first goal as a New York Ranger on the power play, assisted from Cooley and the aforementioned Lafreniere, and, and, and Artemi Panarin would seal the deal with an empty net goal with 18.39 left in the game. So, that was the game against the Minnesota Wild. Oh, before I go into the next game, Louis Domingue started this game. This was the game that Jonathan Quick had to rest and recover from a minor injury. He would have returned the next game. But Louis Domingue stopping 25 to 26 shots. And yeah, we were all eating spicy pork this night. Next game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Another opportunity for revenge. The Blue Jackets beat the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken, the second game of the season. This is when Boone Jenner got a hat trick, but the Rangers also had two goals taken back on offside reviews and were without Ryan Lindgren. So, 
This was a back and forth game through the first two periods. The both teams were tied after one period of play with seven shots on goal. Both teams would score in the first. Donforth for the Jackets, Kreider from Gustafson and Wheeler in the in with just over a minute left in the first period. And in the second period, Alexi Lafreniere coming off the bench takes a pass from Trocek at the boards or from Trocek at the from the boards and puts it home past Elvis Merce Lincolns to give the Rangers a 2-1 lead. But just over a minute later, Adam Fantilli, this upcoming rookie for the Columbus Blue Jackets, awesome shot, but I'm sure it's one that Jonathan Quick will, will tell you he wants back. He puts it past Quick to tie it, and then just 19 six seconds later, Sean Corrali gives the Jackets the lead, putting home a rebound. Now, there, I think it was... Yeah, once in the first period and once in the second period, there are two very questionable calls. You know, I might as well just talk about them right now. Jacob Truba lays out a clean hit on, I forget which Blue Jackets player it was, but Fantilli and another Jacket basically, you know, challenged him, you know, challenged him to a fight, and Truba punches him back. And, you know, the only one getting called for a penalty for roughing was Truba. And I just don't understand that. I mean, the officiating this game was atrocious i'm not gonna go as far to say oh the league wanted the blue jackets to win or because i think if i'm not mistaken the blue jackets yeah the rangers had more power play opportunities but it was this and that in this next call that i'm just like seriously what the hell actually that this is that's one of that that was one of three questionable things to happen this night the second one was in the sec- late second period Will Cooley scores what seems to be a goal. Now remember, Cooley had a goal taken away from him against the Edmonton Oilers. They said he kicked the puck in the net, except he clearly didn't kick the puck in the net. He was trying to stop, and and the puck deflected off his skate and went into the net. But in this instance, Cooley shoots it, and he finds a little hole in his Merce Lincolns. He skates behind Merce Lincolns, and he sees it in the net. He puts his arms up in celebration, and the replay shows that the puck is clearly in the net. And what, the NHL is taking forever to review this in the Situation Room in Toronto. And they come up with the bullshit excuses like, oh, the play was blown dead, or the intent to blow the whistle was there before the puck was in the net. Okay, so much for a play till you hear the whistle. I honestly don't understand how they came up with that ruling. Because, hell, they didn't even see the damn thing. Like I said, I'm not buying into the... I'm not going to buy into the conspiracy that, oh, the NHL wants the Rangers to lose. It's good for the NHL when teams like the Rangers, the Leafs, or any original six team are doing well. But how can you look at that instance and think, nah, that's not a goal. It was clearly a freaking goal. And then... Sean, the aforementioned Sean Corrali, he gets called for what I think is a boarding. Hold on, I'm not going, I'm not, I didn't write a script for this episode. I'm just going by what I see on here on NHL.com, reading all these stats. And But anyway, Corrali gets called for a penalty for this hit on Ryan Lindgren. They initially call it a boarding and a five-minute major. And... 
you know it's bad when Ryan Lindgren has to leave a game because he is one tough son of a bitch. And he might still be able to play Saturday. I mean, we'll have an update from him at after the Rangers practice tomorrow. At, like it, at the time of this recording, it's Tuesday night. This will be released Wednesday morning, November 15th. But Ryan Lindgren had to leave the game. And you think that would be enough to keep this a major, right? Wrong. They downgraded it to a two-minute minor. Okay. Okay, he falls through with, like, an elbow to the head. I mean, I guess you could disagree with it being called a boarding. Part of me did wonder that myself because he wasn't hitting the numbers. But still, you elbow a player in the head, he has to lead the game. That's not a major. That's freaking ridiculous. But no wheel of excuses here. The New York Rangers still had to keep playing. And they outshot the Minnesota. They outshot the Columbus Blue Jackets 17 to 3 in the third period, but they just couldn't get anything by Elvis Merce Lincolns. A lot of times, like, because Merce Lincolns was just having clear vision of the shot that was coming. And it looked like all hope was gone. Goalie pulled, looked like, you know, the Rangers are, looks like Merce Lincolns is just going to steal this one for the Blue Jackets. But Alexi Lafreniere, on a beautiful setup from Chris Kreider. Off an initial shot from Artemi Panarin. Puts it home past Merce Lincolns. Ties the game at three. The Rangers have life. And in the overtime period, Jackets outshot the Rangers 2-1. to one. I thought the Rangers had a couple opportunities to win that game. And I think this overtime showed why I'm not at all against breaking up the pairing of Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Which I'll get into in a little bit. But... We go to the shootout, and Panarin doesn't score. Johnny Gaudreau doesn't score. Mika Zibanejad doesn't score, which, you know, I guess kind of used to that at the beginning of this season. Patrick Laine also doesn't score. Next is Alexi Lafreniere already has two goals in the game. And, and no, it's not a hat trick, but might as well be. It's his third time scoring, quote-unquote, scoring this game. And he goes in, has a beautiful move on the backhand to put a pass for Lincolns and into the net. Then Texay went up for the Blue Jackets. Jonathan Quick poke, stops the shot. It lands on top of the net. Doesn't go in the net. Lands on top of the net. And the Rangers escape this game with two points. And like I said before, they currently lead the Metro Division and are in the middle of a well-earned five days off. I mean, normally I wouldn't like these five days off. I think they have another bye week or so later in the season. But honestly, with the injuries this team's had, this bye week couldn't have come at a better time. So what are some observations I'm going to take out of this these last two games? Well, first off, you got to talk about Artemi Panarin. Second in the NHL in points behind Elias Pettersson of Vancouver. Pettersson has 25. Panarin has 24 points, 16 assists, and 8 goals. And this is very similar to the start he had in the 2019-20 season when he was a Hart Trophy candidate. And he's been playing out of his mind. 
He's got a 14-game point streak to start this year, and that ties a New York Rangers record, Hall of Famer and number seven up in the rafters at MSG, Rod Gilbert. He's got an opportunity on Saturday to break that record. That's one great observation to take out of this past these past two games. The other observation is Alexi Lafreniere. He is finally, well, he is finally coming into his own. He's finally showing that potential that made him a first overall pick in 2020. At the time of right now, he's got, hold on, I got to pull up the stats for you guys right now. He is third on the team in points behind Panarin. Chris Kreider has 14. Alexi Lafreniere has 11 points in 14 games, seven goals, four assists. He's got a little four-game point streak, if I'm not mistaken, and let's see how many points he's got the past four games. Oh, my bad. He's got a three-game point streak. and Well, here's how he's done the past three games. He's got three goals, three assists for six points, eight shots, a plus-four rating, one game-winning goal, and one shootout winner. And we are finally seeing the potential in in this guy that made him the first overall pick in 2020. And you could see it in his play. He's so involved. He's playing with a lot of confidence and some advanced stats. He's got a 72.11 expected goals for percentage, however the hell you read this. I'm reading this off of Big Head Hockey on Twitter. And, you know, speaking of these analytic stats, I'm looking at Money Puck, and the Rangers are put 23rd overall in the league. Who's number one? The Edmonton Oilers, and they're one of the team, one of the bottom feeders right now. I don't understand how they come, come to that conclusion. So I'm kind of sketchy of Money Puck now. But anyway, back to Lafreniere. You know, we... You know, we were told, oh, he's not good enough to play on the right wing or he's not comfortable enough to play on the right wing. But he's selling right at home, and he's doing great playing with Panarin. I think they nicknamed the two of them like the French Toast Line or something like that. But I also can't help but wonder, has, has Laviolette just worked miracles on this kid? Or is was Gerard Gallant that bad of a coach? I feel like... I talk about it at least once an episode. Like when I toot Peter Laviolette's horn, I always talk about how bad Gerard Gallant was at you know helping this team adjust and helping come up with a game plan. But Laviolette's done pretty well in getting this kid to play the type of hockey we know he can play. So those are a couple of the positive things I took out of this these past two games. Actually, you know, before I get into some more things I'm skeptical skeptical or scratching my head on, let's look at some of the team stats. The New York Rangers on the power play are second in the league behind the New Jersey Devils, 33.3% succession rate. And on the penalty kill, they are sixth with a 86.7 kill rate. And on the faceoffs, Michael Pekka, you beautiful bastard. They are second in the league overall with a 56% face-off win percentage. Michael Pekka, you beautiful bastard. I love you. Uh, when's the last time you heard about the New York Rangers being 
over 50% on the year in faceoffs. <laughs> it's awesome. This team is just doing everything right. I mean, they need to tighten up their five-on-five five play, which I guess we'll talk about, you know, some of the areas they need to clean up now, which you think about how well, it's kind of scary. This team is battling injuries and hasn't truly found their game yet at even strength, and they're still doing so well. Imagine how good they can they are or can be if once they do find that. But one of the areas they have to find themselves on is the five-on-five five play. Now, granted, they're not doing to- bad, per se, on a five-on-five, five, but they aren't necessarily cashing in five-on-five. Five. They're doing well at, you know, limiting their opponent's opportunities, and it's kind of reflected in shots for... And, like, listen, it's kind of shown in the shots against and shots for per game. You know, listen, I know this includes power play shots, but I... Most of the game is on five-on-five play, so I'm still going to roll with this. On shots four, the Rangers are 28th in the league. Not good. But in shots against, the Rangers are second behind Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes, who are coached by Rod Brindamore, who who was coached by Peter Laviolette. I don't necessarily think that's a coincidence. But yeah, they need to start finding themselves start finding the back of the net on five on five which is why i'm really not against breaking up the pairing of mika zabanjad and chris Kreider. listen i know they're buddies listen they're always going to be buddies but that doesn't mean they have to be on a line together per se because they're not getting it done on five on five listen chris Kreider is second on the team in points but he's got let's see 10 goals i think about eight or so of them were on the power play and, I mean, he had an even strength goal the other night. But he's got to find himself on five on five. Mika's a Banajed. Let's see how many. He's still stuck at two goals, At if I'm not mistaken. Two goals? Let me see. i got to find him on this list. He is, yeah, two goals. Ten points. I mean, listen, that's not bad. I mean, it's got, it's similar to Lafreniere numbers, but listen, Lafreniere, you know, had is on this recent hot streak, and is a rookie, or not rookie, he's the younger player. Mika is the veteran, and listen, he's not necessarily a goal scorer. I mean, he's is playing well defensively, but he needs to find the back of the net as well. And I think that overtime against Blue Jackets showed, listen, you these guys kind. Kind of need a break from each other because they had, if I'm not mistaken, two two-on-one opportunities and both times they ended up with a, trying to pass and not even getting a shot up. It's like you know the, the opponent basically knows that they're going to shoot or they're going to pass to the other whenever the, they have the opportunity like that. And you know what? I'm going to partially take back part of that statement because – you know, the thing I said about Mika Zibanejad not being a goal scorer, he can score goals. He is a goal scorer. You know, he had 41 in the 1920 season. He had, you know, 39 last year. I mean, he he can score goals. He hasn't found his game yet. But again, this goes back to what I'm saying. The New York Rangers haven't found themselves yet. And you kind of help, not help but wonder. Maybe it wasn't Capococco that should have been taken off that line. I mean, don't get me wrong. Blake Wheeler has done well. He, now he, he's got 
three points since going on to that line with Zibanejad and Kreider. I mean, one of them was the power play goal, but but the other player who was on, on that original first line, the one that Wheeler replaced, Capococco, he really needs to find himself. And listen, I am a Capococco stan. I love this guy. I have his jersey. But right now, he sits at two points, 14 games on the season. Now, he's not playing bad per se, but he's not aggressive at all on offense, okay? And La- Johnny Lazarus said this on the Blue Crew. Like, he asked, responded to one of my fan questions, you know. You want to see Kako, like, not hold on to the puck so long? You know, be decisive, be aggressive, take some shots. And I think there was one play against the Minnesota Wild that kind of perfectly demonstrated, you know, his mentality on offense compared to what it is on defense. Because he's very sound defensively. And him being great on defense kind of makes up for it. But there was like one opportunity where Kako, I forget who threw it into the slot, but if Kako was aggressive and went into the slot, he had a point blank opportunity to put the puck puck past Flurry. Now, he was on the ice for the Blake Wheeler goal, and he did touch the puck. You know, everyone touched the on the Rangers touched that puck on that before that power play goal. Now he's not going to get an assist for that, but at some point he has to start finding the back of the net, or he has to start helping guys find the back of the net. Now it's kind of be kind of hard with you know some playing on a line with someone like Nick Bonino, someone who's out more out there to play defense. Or Will Cooley, who's done pretty well. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he's got more points than Kako right now. He's got five and 14 games. He should have another goal on there, but I digress. But Kako's got to find himself. And you know what? I think I'm not opposed to this. I mean, with Philip Heedle out, Vincent Trocek really stepped up his game on the second line. So part of me is like, you know what? I'm not opposed to keeping Trocek on the second line. I'm sure my Uncle Joe, who absolutely hates Filipino, is going to relish in me saying this. I'm not opposed at all to putting Heedle on the third line and having Kako be with him on the right wing because they have chemistry together on the kid line and keep Will Cooley on the left wing. I think that could be a very dangerous third line. But hopefully Will... Will Cooley... Hopefully Filipino comes back soon... I mean, I'm assuming he might have gotten a concussion. Like, the NHL is never specific with injuries anymore. And he has a history of concussions. I just fear, I just hope it's not another Michael Sauer situation. But, you know, it would be very beneficial for the Rangers for him to come back. So, that's that's yet another area where I'm critical of the Rangers. Those guys on 5-on-5 play... Need to be better. Kreider, Zibanejad, Kako, Wheeler. They need to find themselves and this team hopes to go on a deep playoff run and potentially win the Stanley Cup. Because, listen, you could be as good, you could be great on the power play. You could be the top team in the league on the power play. But, listen, in the playoffs, the refs are going to put those whistles up their ass a lot of the time. All right? And a majority of this game is played on five. At 5-on-5. And like I said before, 
it's not necessarily that they're playing bad at five on five. Because last year, I think the Rangers were bad at five on five. This year, they're for the most part controlling the tempo. They're just not getting the shots and they're not getting the goals on five on five. But they are making up for it and not letting their opponents outplay them on five on five. So after this five-day break is up, the New York Rangers will have a first-round matchup or first-round rematch against the Devils in Newark on Saturday. And, you know, the Devils are going through a bit of an injury bug themselves. They don't have Nico Heischer. They don't have Jack Hughes. Though Emily Kaplan tweeted shortly before this, I started recording that it's a strong possibility he returns for that game because a fucking course he is. You know, this is... A game, a win against the Rangers is like a Stanley Cup to the Devils and their fans. And you know what? This five-day break might just be what the Rangers need. You know, they're not going to get Fox back. He can't come back till the 29th. I think that's how long-term IR works. I mean, hopefully, shortly after I release this on Wednesday, we can update Philip Heedle skating again. That would be great. I, I just hope... He's all right. It could be a concussion. Their NHL's never NHL teams are never specific with their injuries anymore. They're so vague, upper body, lower body injury. And it probably is a concussion, and he has a history of concussions. That's not and that's not good. I mean, I just hope the Rangers don't have another Michael Sauer situation, because whether my Uncle Joe wants to admit it or not, Phil Petal is a good player. And, you know, they they do need him for their success. Cause, you know, not having Gustaf, don't get me wrong, Gustafson stepped up on the power play and on the first line. You know, the whole team stepped up, but this should not this is not necessarily a Stanley Cup winning roster with those guys, with guys like Adam Fox, Phil Petal, and Igor Shesterkin out. Now, Igor Shesterkin was asked, Will you put a this on Saturday? And he just said, We'll see. I mean, he's been looking better and better in practices from what I see on Twitter from all the reporters who attend the practices. And you know what? This is a big state potential. You know, this is a statement game for the Rangers. It's an opportunity to get revenge against a team that beat them in in the playoffs last year. I mean, I don't think you're going to fully get revenge for for that until you beat them in the playoffs where they did that damage to you. And I hope this game was circled for a lot of the guys who were on this team last year. And I'm sure this game was circled on the calendar for a lot of these guys. You know, since then, Artemi Panarin went bald to release the demons, and he's been phenomenal ever since. The Devils awoken a sleeping giant and filled him with great resolve. Let's see how many historians know who I'm quoting there. But it's just the first matchup. You know, it's an opportunity to show, hey, we the division runs through us, but it's only 15 games into the season. Neither team is fully healthy. I'm sure whichever team wins, I mean, or whichever team loses, I should say, their fan base will have all the excuses. But regardless, if the Rangers win, I'll have the somewhat of a catharsis from beating the Devils. But at the same time, I'm not going to fully get it, that catharsis until we beat them in the playoffs. Actually, no, not quite. Because to me, winning a Stanley Cup is more important than beating your rival. You know, some Devil fans might not realize that. I'd say a lot of them don't. I mean, the ones that play hockey are kind of cool, but yeah, 
that's a whole topic in and of itself that I don't feel like getting into. So before I wrap up, something I forgot to do last week was my prospect report. How silly of me. Let's check in on Gabriel Perot of Boston College. 10 games, 2 goals, 13 assists for a total of 15 points. He leads the Boston College Eagles in points with 15. Right behind him is Will Smith, who was drafted by the Sharks, and Cutter Gauthier, who was drafted by the Flyers. So that's how Gabe Perot is doing. Good to see he's doing well. And Brennan Othman with the Hartford Wolfpack, he's said like i think he told vince mercagliano a lot of what he's going to be doing with hartford is trying to break some of his junior habits so and i think the numbers kind of reflect that in this case he's he's sixth on the team in points seven points in 12 games not bad but then like you're kind of surprised rep Berard has more points than him tw- nine points but what he is leading the team in is penalty minutes 21 points. So he's still the asshole I know and love. But now it's just a matter of trying to translate that game into points in the pros. And he'll be just what the Rangers need next year. Kind of a shoot-first kind of guy with a no-nonsense attitude. Won't take any bullshit from anyone. But that's next year. Let him cook. Who knows? Maybe we see him if some other injuries happen. But let's not rush him. So yeah, I'll see you guys next week after the Rangers play the Devils and the Stars. Was it the Stars? Hold on. Let me bring that schedule back up. I shouldn't have exited out of that. And they are playing, yeah, the Dallas Stars on Monday after they play the Devils on Saturday. And then they play the Penguins a week from to, at the a week from the time of this release. So we'll see if I record either... Tuesday or Wednesday this week. We'll see. I'll probably just stick to a normal Wednesday episode. That's when I usually release these weekly Rangers recaps. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys got some insight. I hope I did say something different as opposed to what many of the big talking heads think. You know, something that's, you know, actually considered a, hey, Jack, that's actually a good take. You know, that's what I hope. Anyway, I'm just mumbling at this point. I think that just means it's time for me to sign off. But before I sign off, I want to congratulate the Zach Daniels. If you listen to his NFL midseason review, which came out before this episode, I highly implore you. If you didn't listen to his episode, he had a cold open with his special guest, his newborn infant daughter, Alice. And it absolutely melted my heart hearing the little baby hearing how he's a fat unathletic dad now (laughs) he's a fud (laughs) brie and i don't have baby fever yet (laughs) i told her i told her when i first heard that heard it i went mush she she said "Uh uh-oh i'm like don't worry not yet not yet well that's a bridge her and i will cross when we get to it but if you made this far thank you very much for listening be sure to follow us on all our social medias at funds podcast on Twitter and Instagram and at fat unathletic nerds on Facebook. I haven't ended one of these bonus episodes saying that. Well, better late than never. This is Jackknife. Have a wonderful night, everyone.